0: Hey, well listen, we're going to be kicking off a brand new series uh, this morning. It's, it's really a vision series. It's really where do we want to go in the next five years? Where do we feel like God is calling us? Where do we feel like God is moving us? But I felt like before we could talk about where we're going as a church, before we get a vision for our church and what we want to do here in this community, I thought that we have to start first at we need a vision for our own life, Right? We need to look at our own life and begin to realize, man, I have purpose here on this earth that that God has actually put me here for a reason. And I want to say this before we we kick off this series. To be honest with you, it's such a privilege to be able to be the pastor of this church. In the past um, two years that we've been here, there's a little over 200 people that call our Savior's Church, Crowley, um, their home. And there's been so many people's lives that have been changed by what God has done through this church and simply through the obedience of many men and women that have sacrificed for us to be able to do what we do every single Sunday, day in and day out. I don't know if you realize this, if you're new or not, but every Sunday it is literally, um, it takes about 45 to 50 people just to pull off what we do every single Sunday from setting up the stage, from setting up kids' environments, from setting up the lobby and the connect tables and and all that kind of stuff. But here's the truth. When we look at it all and we, we look at all the work that goes into making this church function and making this church happen, the truth is, we're so blessed and we're so privileged because we're, we're, we're a part of something that is ultimately bigger than us. It's why our volunteers and why our dream team can look at it and they get here early in the morning and in the worship practice practices over and over and over and over again because we want to get it right for you. Because at the end of the day, the reason that we do everything that we do is because we want to attach ourselves to something that is bigger than ourselves. Something that is beyond us. And the truth is, a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus and serving in the church, you're able to attach yourself to a vision that is a whole lot bigger than yourself. So here's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I've titled this message, Bigger Than You. And here's the truth. Greatness is not automatic, but greatness comes by you making a choice to be around the right people and do the right decisions. And here's the truth. I don't want us, um, however long that we're here on this earth, we only get one life. I don't want you to waste that one life. Over the past week, um, I've thought about that a whole lot. Um, Many of you know, a, a week ago, I got in an accident. And the one thing that God has taught me through that accident is that every second, every minute, every day, every year, everything counts. And the truth is, I think a lot of us sit back and we're not we don't we don't know our purpose. We don't know why God put us here on this earth. We don't know what our destiny is. We don't know why we're breathing. We're just we're just going through the motions. We're just going through and waking up in the morning, going to our job and we're kind of just trudging along in marriage and trudging along in our workplace and we're just doing we're going through the motions. But the thing that I learned through this wreck, the thing that I learned through this accident is that every single day counts. Because the truth is, you don't know if you have another day. You don't know if you have tomorrow. Even the Bible says that our life is like a vapor. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. I thought about it even as, as I got in the accident. I'm literally, I'm jamming out in my, with, I've got music in my headphones, you know. I'm probably looking stupid, driving my car. And then the next thing I know, I'm in the median, <laughs> And the truth is, I think um, a lot of us believe we're in control. I don't know if you know this or realize this or not, but control is actually an illusion. (laughs) It really is. We're not as in control as we really think we are. Because life can change in the drop of a hat. It can change in an instant. It can change in a moment. It can change in a second. And if we're not prepared for that, if we're not ready for that, and if we're not living for something bigger than ourselves, then what is the point? So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to give you real quick three essentials for a great life. Three essentials that you can look at and say, I don't want my life to be wasted. I know that God put me here on this planet for a reason. I know that he put me here for a purpose, and I want it to make a difference. I don't think anybody ever woke up in the morning and said, you know what? I just want to live the crappiest life ever. (laughs) Anybody ever say that? Or you know what? I don't want my life to count. For anything. Remember being 10 years old? And remember when you were a kid and somebody would ask you, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they would give you like, I want to be an astronaut. Or I I want to be an engineer. Or I want to to fly a rocket to the moon. Or I want to be a firefighter. Or I want to be a policeman. And you had all these grand dreams of what you wanted to become. And then somewhere along the line in life... Life got the better of you. And all those dreams that you felt like God told you in that moment of, hey, I'm going to use you to do this around the age 25, 30 years old. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've had some tough times in life. And you've given up on those dreams. And you feel like, I don't have a purpose anymore. Those dreams, those are for young kids, right? Let them dream while they're 10. Let them dream while they're 11. And here's the truth. While you still have breath in your lungs, you can still make a difference in this life. And here's what I want you to do, however long you have left, maybe it's 60 years, maybe it's 100 years, maybe it's six days, I don't know, however long you have left, I want you to make a difference here in this life. I want it to count for something. So let's pray, and I'm going to talk about three essentials to living a great life. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that this morning, God, that you would kickstart something inside of us. God, that you would help us to be able to look beyond ourselves. To say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of just being sick and tired. I want my life to count for something. I want to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. So point number one, it's going to be here on the screen. If you want to make your life count, if you want to live a good life, point number one, you have to learn to give yourself to a purpose greater than yourself. Now, here's the truth. You're never going to become great living a self centered life. You're never going to live a great life if it's just all about you. Now, I know some of you are saying, look, Pastor Zach, that's great, but how do I discover my purpose? How do I figure out what that is? Because I don't know what it is. I feel like I've been searching, I feel like I've been wandering for a long time. Here's how you find your purpose. The way that you find your purpose is you get around God's family and his church. It's it's just the absolute truth. The reason that we have so many people wandering around and they can't figure out their purpose is because they don't have a place that they feel like they can belong. They don't have a place where they feel like, you know what, I, I don't feel like anybody's speaking into my life. Nobody's cultivating my gifts. You have to get around people that actually care about you. And not just care about you, not just the person that you know you call on Wednesdays to vent with your girlfriend, about you know all the gossip stuff that happened the week before. I'm talking about people that actually deeply care about you, people that care about you so much that they can look you in the eyes and say, "Something's wrong with you." And the only way that we're going to discover our purpose is by getting a part of God's church, getting a part of his purpose, getting a part of his family. Here's the truth church is not a building that you go to it's a family that you belong to I've said that over and over and over again to different people hey well yeah you're all that church that meets in the theater right when are y'all gonna get a building because I think it's like something I think people believe that you're not official until you have a building right <laughs> but when we look back on the past two years And all the life change that's happened and and people that have totally reconstructed their life ultimately because they made a decision to come to this church. See, the church is not a building. It's a people. It's something that you belong to. Here's the truth. One day, all the greatest organizations here in this planet will one day dissipate the greatest organizations on the face of the earth that discipline themselves, that diligently work to create great products and save all kinds of money will one day fade away. Will one day go away. I don't know if you know this about Apple. It's one of the most profitable companies on the face of the earth. They sell iPhones. Many of us in here probably have them. MacBooks, we love their products. They're one of the only companies that is... A debt free billion dollar company that at any moment could have a billion dollars in cash. And how many of you, like, you like can I just get like a hundred thou? You know? <laughs> you could go into that room and, and take a little bit of money and they'd probably never even notice it. It's so much money. But the truth is, one day all that will go away. All the hard work, all the toil, all the effort they've put into building this. Incredible, global company will one day dissipate, will one day fade. But here's the good news. Matthew 24, 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. See, the church is the only organization that has withstood the tests of time. Through millennia, through decades, through thousands and thousands of years, there has always been the church. Point number two, if you want to live a great life, you've got to join with great people committed to the same purpose. You're locking arms with other people. So here's what God's calling some of us to do today. He's calling you to a place to not just be somebody that sits in a seat any longer, but you say, I need to lock arms with people. I don't want to just sit anymore. I want to attach myself to a purpose. I want to be a part. I want to serve. I want to give back. I want to do something. The reason that Christianity is so boring for so many people, it's because we said the prayer and we're like, I'm a Christian, right? Father God, save me. Forgive me of my sins. And then we walk out and we say, man, I don't feel changed. I don't feel any different. It's because we're not living the life that God called us to live. And we're not doing it with the people that God's called us to do it with. The truth is, every person in history that's ever accomplished something great always have a, has a team behind them, an army of people that they're working with. Check this out. The biggest organization on planet Earth is the church. So the body of Christ is about 2.3 billion members. That's one out of every three people. The global church is bigger than the United States, China, and Europe. The family of God is why Jesus created the church. All these organizations will one day fade away, but the church will stand. In 1 Corinthians 3.9, it says, We work together as partners who belong to God. The reason that some of us feel so empty, the reason that some of us feel so alone, is because we're not doing life with family. And I'm not talking about your blood family. I'm talking about spiritual family. I'm talking about people that care about you. I'm talking about people that can walk with you through the most painful areas of your life. When something tragic happens, when you turn around a corner and an unexpected something, whatever it is, happens, and you weren't prepared for it and you weren't ready for it, that we have people that can walk with us through those tough times. Everyone needs a family. Everybody needs a place where they can belong. Everybody needs a place where you can come home to, you can kick your shoes off, you can open the refrigerator and eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You know, I'm 30 years old and I still go to my parents' house, open their refrigerator, eat all their food, open their cabinet. I take whatever I need to take. And there's never a question. Why? Because we're family. And see, we need the same thing. In a spiritual family. Where you can come into church. And man you can just be yourself. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to look the part. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to say a certain thing. You can just come. You can kick your shoes off. And you say God speak to me. And then you begin to look at people. A whole lot different in this room. That these aren't people that you just attend a building. Or a service with. But these are people that hey. These are people God is calling me to do life with. Number three. Make the most of great opportunities. We've got to learn to make the most of great opportunities. Now there's great opportunities all around us. I think most of the times we just don't even realize it. Scripture says this, make the most of every opportunity for doing good. So here's what I want to do real quick. We're going to push the pause button and I want to give you four things that I've kind of learned just living life of how we can make the most of the opportunities that are presented to us. So number one, I must say no to good opportunities so I can say yes to great ones. I must say no to good opportunities so I can say yes to great ones. Here's the truth. You don't have time to do everything that you want to do. The reason that many of us miss good, or great opportunities for that matter, the reason we miss it so many times is because we say yes to everything. How many of you, let's just show of hands, how many of you hate saying No. Like when somebody asks you to do something, you just feel bad. Like, I just feel, I just feel like I need to say yes because if I say no, then I'm going to disappoint them. And so then you look back on your week and you're like, I said yes to 15 things. And then you're super stressed out and you're overwhelmed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't keep adding things to your schedule without cutting things out. So greatness starts with, great, with getting things off of your plate when I, when, and I, I had to experience this when we first started the church. When we first started the church, everybody wanted my time all the time. So it was a lunch meeting here, a dinner meeting here, after, after dinner there, and kids are in bed and I'm still doing things. Just constant. You know what I had to learn? Man, I can't continue at this pace. I had to learn a two-letter word, no. No. The reason that many of us miss opportunities is because we're so busy with saying, yes, oh, that, that's a good opportunity. Yes, I'll say yes to that. But just because it's a good opportunity doesn't mean you should take it. So think about it this way. What if good opportunities are just distractions that keep us from good ones? Scripture puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 7. It says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. Watch this. With as few distractions as possible, with as few distractions as possible, you cannot be a great man or a great woman achieving great things if you're just saying yes to every good opportunity, because you're going to be distracted. Number two: every opportunity, everything that you say yes to, every opportunity must be evaluated. You ever said yes to something, and then you walk away and you're like, "Oh my God." Why did I just say yes to that? You ever done that? I've done that so many times. I've been, one of the biggest mistakes I've made sometimes is even Sunday morning. I'm like, yeah, let's go meet here. Let's go have lunch here. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even look at my calendar. <laughs> I don't even know if I can do that. Every opportunity that you have must be evaluated. First Thessalonians says test everything and keep only what is good. So so what it means is, should I spend my money this way? Should we parent this way? How long should we date? If I say yes, how much time will this take away from my family? So if I say yes to this opportunity, what are the consequences that are going to unfold by me saying yes? So let me help you. Five questions that will help you evaluate every opportunity that you have. Number one. What do I need to know, and who knows it? What do I need to know, and who knows it? And I'm going to explain that in a moment. 75% of businesses fail within the first five years because they don't know what they need to know, and they don't, then they don't know who knows it. So meaning this, just because you like donuts does not mean that you should open a donut shop. <laughs> like maybe you are like the donut connoisseur. You are like, I'm telling you, I know every donut. I know Belgian donuts, (laughs) I know German donuts, I like the kind with Bavarian cream. I know everything about donuts. But maybe the truth is, it's probably not a good idea for you to open a business because you know nothing about business. I don't know if you've noticed that, but this happens all the time in small towns, and I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. Somebody's like, I love this, I'm going to open a business. Just because you love something doesn't mean that you should go for it. Unless you have tested that opportunity. Have you sat down and talked with somebody that's owning a successful donut shop and said, How much does it cost to run this business? What does it take to do this? Evaluate every single opportunity. Before we started this church two years ago, I read every book I could possibly read on church planting. I spent two weeks in Birmingham just trying to learn. Like, what am I going to? What am I? What do I need to expect? What's going to happen on the first Sunday? I, I. This is not a joke. I think I had fifty meetings with different people, coffee, lunch, dinner before we started this church. Tell me about Crowley. What's the city like? What are the people like? What's the environment like? Let me give you a few proverbs. I'm gonna give you three of them. Proverbs 18.13 says, it is stupid to decide before knowing the facts. Another one says, get all the advice you can and you'll succeed. Without it, you'll fail. Last one, Proverbs 11. With many counselors, there is safety. Which leads me to the second point. Number two, what might be the unintended consequences of you saying yes to something? Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm sick of of being in this town. I want to get to the big city. I need to say, yeah, I'm just going to move. And the question that you have to ask yourself is how will this impact your relationship, your kids, your marriage, and your spiritual life by you making this decision? And a lot of times, many of us never calculate those costs or those risks. It may be a good opportunity presented to you, but have you considered the consequences Now, I'm not saying that you avoid every single um, good opportunity. Because here's here's the truth. Sometimes you're going to say yes to something and there's going to be consequences to that yes. But the thing that you've got to answer is, are you willing to live with those consequences by saying yes to that? So let me give you a clear picture of what I mean by that. When we started this church, there was a bunch of consequences that I knew by making that decision that I would have to deal with. One, not everybody's going to like me. Two, the church isn't always going to go how I planned it to go. And then three, I knew that I opened myself up. I became a bigger target to the enemy. I've watched my dad and my parents go through all kinds of spiritual attacks. I've watched people that I admire and other pastors and the things that they go through in their family. And the enemy's constantly trying to take them out. You know, since we've started this church, the enemy's tried to kill me twice. 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 Two months before we started this church, I got hit on a moped. Last week, I got in a car accident. This week, my entire family has been sick. So, so here's, the, here's the thing. Am I willing to live with those consequences? Absolutely. We're building the kingdom of God. But when you say yes to something, are you willing to live with the consequences? Because sometimes we say yes, and we walk into this great opportunity that God has for us, and then consequences happen. And we go, oh, it must not be God, because there's negative. Sometimes the negative is there to only build character in us and shape us and do something in us that would never happen unless God allowed that pressure and that fire to be added to your life. Because you know what the truth is? Although I say, hey, the enemy tried to kill me twice, I I can guarantee you this. My prayer life and my devotion with Jesus looks a whole lot different than it did two years ago. And I would never be at that place that I am today without those things that happened. Proverbs 22, 3 says this, A wise man foresees the difficulties ahead, and he prepares for them. A fool goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So when you're about to make a decision, and somebody could ask you the question, Are you prepared? Do you know the facts? Have you done the research? And you say yes, and you can respond. Or if your answer is, I'm just going to go with the flow, baby. (laughs) I'm just going to go with, chances are you're probably going to crash and burn. The third thing that you've got to evaluate when we're looking at good opportunities. Number three, what is my motivation? Why am I doing this? Am I starting a church? Am I starting a business? Am I doing this because I want the accolades? I want the acclaim? I want people to notice me? See, God is more concerned with why you do the things that you do rather than the what. He's more concerned with the motivation, the intentions of your heart. Why are you doing what you're about to do? Philippians 2.3 says, Never let selfishness or pride be your guide when you do things. Are you making decisions because, hey, you want your ego to be fed? Are you making decisions because you don't want your pride to be hurt? What is the motivation behind the decisions that you're making? A few years ago, when I got offered a job in the film industry to go film and travel the country and do all these kind of things... My wife really, at the time, didn't want me to go. And I'll be honest with you the only reason I said yes, because I was more concerned about the status and the acclaim by taking that job than I was about anything else. The reason I said yes, because it was cool to say, hey, what do you do? Oh, I travel the world and I make movies and I film and I do this kind of stuff. I love the title, I love the approval that I got from other people. And we we walk through a year of just, man, I was gone 215 days of the year maybe. My wife's at home with little kids, raising kids practically by herself for that year. See, do we evaluate every decision that we make? What is your motivation behind the decisions that you're making? And have you considered the consequences that will unfold by you saying yes to a certain opportunity? Because here's the truth. The motivations of, hey, feed my ego, the motivation of pride, it doesn't last. The only motivation that's going to last are the motivations that are bigger than yourself. I'm joining this, I'm going to be a part of this team because one, it's going to help me grow spiritually. Two, I want to attach myself to something that is bigger than myself because I know that God can use me in incredible ways when I do that. Matthew 16, 24, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you want to be my follower... You must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and then follow me. If you want the purest definition of the good life, there it is. If you want to live a great life, if you want to live the good life, ultimately it's about you saying, you know what? Being a part of God's kingdom is something that is so much bigger than me. And what I can accomplish by myself, you know what I love about this church? We've strategically built it in a way that it's not about me. I don't have everybody coming. To, I don't counsel everybody. Man, we've built this thing around team. It's about a team. We have a, a staff meeting. We meet every other Friday, and it's about, I don't know, 14, 15 people that get together. that all carry a lot of weight within our church. We dream together. We talk about things talk about the future we talk about issues that we're dealing with it's a team effort and there's such power in doing something with other people because you can go a whole lot further than you could by yourself and you know we want to know one of the most tragic things about christianity oftentimes is people discover the most radical good news about jesus man jesus he offers me grace and mercy and he forgives me of my sins absolutely he does but the most tragic thing that sometimes happens after that is that we continue to do life by ourselves. And then we ask ourselves the question, man, why am I still depressed? Why am I still doing all these things? It's because we're doing it by ourselves. Number four. Does this fit my purpose and my calling? Does this fit my purpose and my calling? Luke 9.62 puts it this way. Anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him, watch this, it's harsh words, is not fit for the kingdom of God. Let me read it again. Anyone who lets himself be distracted by the work that I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. See, when we remain distracted, when we just say yes to every good opportunity that comes our way, we miss out on the greater purpose that God has for us. Maybe this is you today. You see other people living out their purpose. Maybe some of you, you look at some of the people on this stage or even myself and you go, "Man, they're young, they're doing what God's called them to do. Why can't I do that?" Or maybe you look at other people at your job and, "Man, they've they've excelled in their workplace environment and they're doing so well and I'm just, man, I'm 35 and I'm barely going anywhere." You want to know the reason that you're not? because you're distracted envying somebody else's purpose and you're not focusing on your own. See, until you get that out of your head, until you understand that God actually cares about the individual, you, and he doesn't want you to live your life vicariously looking at somebody else's purpose and say, man, I wish I could do that. He's telling you today, right now, I have a purpose and a plan for your life, for you to fulfill your purpose and your destiny and the whole reason I put you on this earth We've got to come to a place where we stop envying others and we start asking God to help us discover our own purpose. See, Ephesians 4.1, Paul puts it this way, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. He's saying, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Do you know that God has a specific call and plan for your life? And you may look at it and you say, well, man, you don't know me. (laughs) You don't know what I've walked through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've had to fight in this life. I don't know if God can actually use me. But when you start diving into the scriptures and you begin to read some of the stories and you look at the people that God used, it should give you somewhat of a different perspective. Man, God used adulterers. He used people that cursed his name. He used people full of pride. A past that would make our past look not that bad. (laughs) He used people that would shock you and surprise you. Every single person in this room has a purpose. Every single person in this room, God wants you to live a life that is bigger than the life that you're living right now. But the reason that you remain anxious and unsettled with your life is because you're not living out your calling. The reason that some of you wake up in the morning and go, oh, another day. Just another day that i got to get through. The reason that we have that kind of attitude is because you don't know what your purpose is. And the only way that you're going to discover that is by getting involved in God's family. Opening The curtains of your life and saying, this is who I am. This is what I struggle with. This is what I deal with. And allowing other people in on that. Number five. You got to ask yourself, is this the best use of my time and energy? Is this the best use of my time and energy? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial and not everything is constructive. So what is he saying right there? He's saying, hey, listen, there's good things that we can do in this life that are not bad. So let's take, um, let's take TV, for example. Is it a sin to watch TV? No. It, could it even be a good thing to watch TV? Yes. But it's probably not a good idea to remain in your boxers all day and watch TV for 10 hours, right? It's probably not the greatest idea. It's probably not the best use of your time. And here's what I want you to understand. If you're at that place where you're just kind of coasting in life, you you get home and you flip the TV on and that's pretty much your life. If you get anything that I say this morning, and the one thing that God's done on me this past week, don't waste the one life that he's given you. Don't waste it. You only get one life. You don't come back as a cat or a dog, okay? (laughs) You get one life. And God's saying, listen, I have you here for a purpose, for a reason. And I want you to make an impact. I want you to do something. So point number three, going back to how we can live a good life. Number three, opportunities come when I least expect them. Matthew twenty four forty four says this, you must be ready at all times for I will come when least expected. So let me, let, me, let me share a story with you to illustrate this point. There is a story in the Bible about a man named Joseph. At a very young age, he has all these brothers and he has a father and he is his father's favorite. How many of you just show of hands like you're your parents' favorite? You know it. You just know it. I've always rubbed that in my brother's face. I know I'm the favorite. Um, It's hard not to be the favorite when you look this way. Um, Just kidding. Kidding. Some of you are like, I'm not going back to that prideful church. Uh, (laughs) So there's Let me get back to the story. So there's Joseph. And he's a young guy. His dad loves him. He's his dad's favorite. And his brothers are very jealous and envious of him. Well, Joseph goes to bed one, one night, and he has this dream. And in his dream, he dreams that his father and his brothers are all bowing down before him. And that Joseph is this powerful man in Egypt. So as a young, prideful man, he goes back to his brothers, which was a, a mistake. And, his fa- and he says, listen, I just had this dream. Incredible dream. You're going to want to hear it. I had a dream that one day you will bow before me. And his brothers are like, get out of here. I'm not bowing before your feet. It's like, I'm telling you, I had a dream that one day you will bow before me. A few days later, his brothers are wrought with envy and jealousy over him. So they take the coat that his father made for him. They take it off. They kill a lamb and they spill blood all over this coat. And they throw Joseph in a pit. And the brothers bring the coat back to uh, Joseph's father and they said, Joseph, a wild animal, ate him. He's gone. And his father says he begins to mourn, and he weeps, and he cries. Well, long story short, as Joseph is in this pit, his brothers come to him and they sell him in to slavery. Now let me back up just a moment. Remember, Before Joseph is sold into slavery, just a few days before all this is happening, he has this dream. He has this promise that God gave him. One day I will make you a powerful man in Egypt with tons of influence. And your life is going to make a difference and you're going to have all this purpose. And then all of a sudden he has this incredible dream. He's on this high and the next day he's in this pit. And his brothers are selling him into slavery. Do you think just for a moment he might question God's promise? Like, God, was that a dream? Did I have too much to drink last night? What was that? So he gets sold off into slavery. A few years later, he's accused of raping Potiphar's wife, who's a powerful man in Egypt. Falsely accused. His wife actually came on to him and was like, hey, I would love to be with you. And it says Joseph ran. So because he is falsely accused, he's thrown into prison. Now, I want you to track with me for a moment. For 40 years... That's a long time, right? Through those 40 years, not a whole lot is going on, but the king of Egypt has this dream. He has this dream. He can't figure out what does this dream mean. I don't know what the dream is about, and he starts asking all of his counselors. He starts asking all these people, I need somebody to interpret this dream for me. And somebody goes, hey, I think I know a man. There's a man, he's a spiritual man, he loves God, but he's, he's in jail. So the king says, listen, if he can interpret my dream, bring him to me. So Joseph comes out of prison, stands before the king. The king tells him his dream. All of a sudden, the king, uh, Joseph interprets the dream for him. He, he tells him exactly what the dream means. And the king begins to literally fall in love with Joseph. Begins to go, man, I, I love this guy. And now watch this. In a matter of 24 hours, he goes from a pit to being the second most powerful man in Egypt and fulfilling the promise that God gave him. But watch this, 40 years later. But I want you to notice something. As I said in point three, opportunities come when you least expect them. And if you're not prepared for them, you'll miss them. The only reason that Joseph got to the place of being the second most powerful man in Egypt is because for those 40 years, he still sought after God. And when the king's servants came to him and said, you better interpret this dream or we're going to kill you, they go to him because he spent time with God, because he was preparing himself and readying himself and he hadn't forgotten the promise that God gave him. The opportunity came when he least expected it, but when the opportunity came, he was prepared, he was ready, and he delivered. The reason that so many of us miss good opportunities, the reason that so many of us miss living the good life, the great life, is because when good opportunities come, we don't even see them. We're not even ready for them. Forty years, Joseph endured hell, but God reordered his life in 24 hours. I think God could do the same for you. And some of you are in here and you're like, man, I've, I feel like Joseph. <laughs> I feel like for the last 10 years or five, my life has just been so tough. It's been hard. Man, if you're there today, start getting ready. Start exercising, start preparing. Start diving into community. Start going to church. Start doing something. Because <laughs> an opportunity is coming and you don't want to miss it. Point number four. I must stay flexible to stay ready. I must stay flexible to stay ready. Now, now this is personal to me because um, this is the story of this church. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we, we've oftentimes had to do things at the very last minute when you don't have permanent building Uh, we've met here we've met at the opera house one Sunday we met at a coffee shop (laughs) we've met at a dance studio we've met outside we've had to be flexible but here's the truth if you're not flexible because you're a person that is so driven I got well I got to do it the way that the book says it I'm a task driven oriented you're going to miss out on opportunities See, if we weren't flexible as a church, many of you today wouldn't even be here. If we were just like, oh my God, we're meeting in a coffee shop, this is going to be so dumb. We're not going to be able to fit everybody, and people's going to be standing up. But it was, hey God, you're building your church, this is your church. We're we're passionate about building your kingdom. It's about your name being advanced. It's not about a building. We keep moving forward. Oftentimes, we miss opportunities because we're so task driven. And let's, we're so task driven. We're so schedule driven. Can I just let me fill you in on something that might help you? God doesn't care about your list. <laughs> he doesn't. Here's what we have to remember God is God, and because He is God, He will act like God. Oftentimes, you say, Well, God, I've got point number one. God, I can't move to three. Until I do point number two, and God's saying, I don't care about point number two, I want to bring you to ten. And we've got to learn to be flexible. One of the phrases, and I'll just say this, one of the phrases that you will never hear at this church is six words. We've always done it this way. You'll never hear that here. That's the six last words of a dying church. You'll never hear those words here. Because listen, if we're going to constantly grow, if we're going to constantly reach people, we're always going to change. Always. Over the past month, we've had more people coming. The church is getting bigger, and so guess what? As a team, we're getting together, and things that we used to do, they don't work anymore. They don't work anymore. Proverbs 10, 15, the message version that says this, I love this. It says, make hay while the sun shines. (laughs) Make hay while the sun shines. In other words, make the most of every opportunity that comes your way. I remember very specifically one time. I was laying in bed at night. I think the church was about a year old at the time. And I was in just a, kind of like a dry season spiritually. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I'm doing all these things. but so I, I felt like I wasn't hearing from God. I remember just praying over and over, like, God, why are you silent? Like, where, have I done something? Is there something in my life that I'm, I'm not doing right? I remember for a month, it was just like this dry period. And I remember distinctly laying in bed at night, falling asleep, and waking up about at 2.30 in the morning. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am not a morning person at all, especially 2.30. Anybody, like, you're not a morning person? Like, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you have to do is drink coffee. That's me. So I remember 2.30 in the morning, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm like, why am I awake? I remember just subtly hearing God, hey, you, you want to hear from me? Start praying now. I'm like, but God, it's 2.30. <laughs> it's 2.30 in the morning. Now, this is how flexibility comes in. I remember, I remember God saying, if you don't pursue me right now, I'll be silent for a whole lot longer. Because here's, here's the truth. Oftentimes, God comes in the most inconvenient times of our life. He throws us off of our task-driven list. He reorders our schedule. And like I said earlier, he, just, he acts like God. We must stay flexible. We must stay ready. If you're not flexible, you'll end up carrying out your own plans and miss out on God's plans. Listen to this Proverbs in thirteen nineteen. It says, it is pleasant to see our plans develop. How many of you guys like it Like when a plan comes together? You love it when a plan comes together. It is pleasant to see our plans develop. That is why fools refuse to give them up even when they're wrong. So some of you are like, "Uh, this plan is working. But God's saying, but that's not my plan. And the plan may complete and you may, yes, we did it. And God's saying, but I had a whole bigger plan for you. See, if we're so task driven, we're so oriented around just getting stuff done, we miss out on the better plan that God has for our life. So let me close with this. Over the next three weeks, I want you to fully buy in to the vision that God has given this house, this church, and that God ultimately has for your life. Because at the end of the day, living out his vision and his purpose, something that is bigger than you will be the most fulfilling life that you could ever live. As I said two years ago, when my wife and I came and we started this church, it was the hardest decision we ever made to do, but it was also the best decision that we ever did. And you want to know one of the only things that keeps us going, outside of our relationship with Jesus, it's just doing life with other people, and having moments of just like, man, I'm, I'm tired, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I'm walking through this. This is difficult. This is painful. Man, the Christian life is so hard to do by yourself. Don't do it alone. Because listen, there's going to be a day when you get that phone call, and that phone call drastically changes your life. Man, for 30 years, I've, I love adventure. I love anything that gets your adrenaline pumping. And I've, for 30 years, I believe I'm, I'm invincible, Right? And then, after a few things that have happened over the past two years in my life, you begin to realize, like, man, God's in control a whole lot more than I really think He is. (laughs) As I said earlier, us being in control of our own life is just an illusion. Because at the drop of a hat, things could change in a second. In a moment, in an instant, life could be completely different.